Hey everyone, Jay here. I just wanted to say that we've got some really cool artwork for this episode, so you're going to want to click through to the show notes to check out the full version of the image, which we'll be showing in your podcatcher right now. Our thanks go out to Yuri Keynes on Twitter for working with us to create this piece of art. Anyway, on with the show. You didn't have to set Tonnenberry on him. Look, he knows the deal about my hair, MB. I did tell him to wear the Reno wig I got him. You should wear it. I've got a backup wig for him. I think it suits him. Hate to say I told you so. Hangs on. Hmm. Yeah, I kind of like this now. Didn't take you for a Hatsune Miku kind of guy. This was a terrible idea. Miku shouldn't have a beard. Deal with it, sucker. I look fabulous. Give me the wig back, please. Nope. It hides the lumps from when I got Tomberry hitting me with the firing pan. Oh, I've seen that look before. Just just give her the wig back. Nope. Lulu needs your hair. Oh, not this again. Give her back the wig. Lulu needs your hair. Oh, crap, I'm out of here. Get here, you little... One thing I did like was, um, there's only a few after this, but one thing I did like was when you're getting towards, before you see Tifa being escorted to the uh-huh. audition, when you get out of the Sector 5, five yeah, Sector 5 slums, and you, you have that moment from the original where they sit on top of the, the thing in the kids' playground mm-hmm. and they talk, mm-hmm. when you walk out and you see that kids' playground and you see that big green cat with a tongue slide, yeah, I was I was bouncing up and down in my seat because that's one of the things I always remember about Midgar and the beginning of the mm-hmm. game is it's that cat thing. Yeah, the the <laughs> move will slide. Yeah, it's and then, a nice little sort of juxtaposition, isn't it, between like the slums and the hard life, and mm-hmm. we need to provide something safe and fun for the kids to do. Mm-hmm. I like that. Just even though even though in the original game. It's kind of trashed and there's, you know, there's rubble yeah. everywhere and it's a bit mess. But it fits aesthetically with that. Yeah. What you guys were talking about earlier on about it being a mess and being hard to live there and grimy and, mm-hmm. and not very nice, but also this wonderfully silly place for the kids to go and be kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was just really excited to run around and look, free look around something that was so iconic for me in the original. Look, yeah, there's the tongue. It's quite. There's the climbing bits at the back. I always wondered how they got up. You know, there's climbing bits at the back. I I did about twenty laps around it. Going, look at that. Look at that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and just like that whole conversation between them is mm. so sweet as well. Like where um, Eris is talking about Zach, and you know she's saying, "Oh, it was the first boy I ever loved," and she yeah. actually says that in the remake. It's just like, "Oh yeah, the first boy I ever loved. He was in Soldier as well." And she then she doesn't say his name. She doesn't say his name. No. no, she doesn't. But obviously, people that play, I you know, yeah, I I was tearing up during that bit. I've got to admit because it was just like because it's such a from from a 
a storytelling standpoint, it's a very wholesome, sweet moment. You know, you've got her lamenting about a boyfriend that she had, that she has no idea what happened to him. And she's trying to get to know this person better because she just likes being around him. And I'm saying, I know there's probably going to be like Clarice shippers. Yes, I'm that old. I say, oh, no, wait, I'm that old. It was Cloris back in the day, you know, then it became Clarice and now it's Clarith. But there's going to be Cloud heiress shippers out there going, no, no, she loves Cloud as well. I'm not getting into that. Mm. But she she likes being around him that much is obvious and she's trying to get to know him better and trying to get him to open up and then you know she that that little lean in where she's like your eyes are so pretty and i've got that's another thing just kind of like going off topic a little bit here but finally finally they have done his eyes justice with the mako glee yeah because I really hated that in Advent Children. I was so excited to see that infamous Mako gleam, and it was just like, oh, it's like a couple of flecks of green. Most people with blue eyes have either green or yellow flecks, like I've got. That's nothing. But they've really sort of jumped it up, where it's this very toxic green colour around the iris. And I'm so glad that they've really brought that home and that it is very noticeable when you're looking at him. So her leaning in and she's like, your eyes are so pretty. And he gets, he always gets a bit awkward about it because, you know, he knows what it means. He knows that he's been exposed to high levels of Mako and that most people don't survive that. I mean, Mm. it's, it's touched upon in um, that, that chapter with Jesse and her father, yeah. that most people that get exposed to a lot of Mako end up in a coma that they'll yeah. probably never wake up from. They're, they're a vegetable, essentially. Mm. And he's one of the people that it was done to him on purpose, mm. and he gets to walk around with pretty eyes. So it's almost like he feels kind of guilty for it. Yeah, I, and I, I'm glad- that, I, I definitely I always get that vibe from him. He's, he's doing all this work mercenary work and people are saying oh you strong look at those muscles but i kind of get the vibe of well i've got these i might as well use them while i can yeah you know it's it's sort of like you get the the feeling that he knows he's only got so much usable time well it's even you know yeah like you've done the mako reactor 5 section with the airbuster and it's even like it's even explicitly said now by president shinra himself accelerated cell degeneration it's one of the drawbacks of being a soldier and Mm. he's basically saying yeah you may have left us but you're still going to die because of us regardless you know you could have 10 years you could have five or you could be dead next week Mm. you know Mm. they don't know there's you know as far as i'm aware at the moment they don't know how long it they've got Mm. because like sephiroth if events hadn't have happened Back in Nibelheim, he could have been dead within a year. I mean, he was already nearing his 30s, as it's alluded Mm. to. He was around 27. So he could have been dead within a year because of, you know, Mako poisoning, essentially. But Mm. no one knows. Same with Zack and Jill at Genesis. They all could have been dead so fast mm-hmm. and it wouldn't have been a you know it doesn't necessarily mean that you get to die a glorious hero's death you could just die from being sick and diseased and i think that's quite tragic in, in, instead of having that glorious 
going down swinging. You yeah. Could die, you could die with a mumble. Yeah. You know, you yeah. could just not wake up no. one day. I mean, isn't that kind of what's hinted at um, in, at least in the original? So again, mm. you know, I haven't played the remake, but in the original, there's a person who's shivering and coughing and very ill in a pipe. And it's kind of heavily hinted that it's Zach and he's dying. And then you go mm. back later and he's not there because he's, mm. he's he's dead. So that kind of fits really well with that. Um, it was hinted at before that being in Soldier and the Mako Energy, you will die. Yeah. But now it's kind of brought more to the forefront. And I think yeah. that partially, you know, we, we've talked about it quite a lot, about the a number of the story points that were kind of hinted at but not thrown in your face. And how in the remake you guys are saying that it's not necessarily that they're thrown at you and gone splat. Here's the, here's the, you know, here's Captain Obvious telling mm. you the story. It's more a case of making it a little bit more obvious for the people who, who maybe, you know, there, there, we talked about it earlier. There's lots of different people who play games in different ways, right? Yeah. And if you're given a story given, a story driven game that has lots of side quests that explore the story, some mm. people will naturally not take those side quests to explore the story, you know? Mm. Um, and so by making these points that were a little bit more subtle in the previous iteration, I guess, yeah. but making them more obvious this time around, I think mm. helps with that description. And I think it's a lot of things that they've brought into this from the description you guys have, have been giving, regardless of whether it's story related or gameplay related or whatever, a lot of it has been made a little bit more obvious. And I think that's partially because you have to remember that Final Fantasy VII, was, they started development on it the the very first version of Final Fantasy VII was actually a sort of 3D demo of Final Fantasy VI. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. And so this was Square sort of playing with this idea of how do we make a game in 3D? I mean, we talked about, Switch talked about earlier on when uh, when in the original Cloud gets those flashbacks and those strange um, moments where he just sort of jumps into his own head. And there's the, the only way that they could show that off, the only way to make it obvious that they thought that they could think of from a storytelling, from a, a direction point of view was white out the screen and make a high pitch noise. Cause otherwise, if you just cut to a scene where it's like, here's cloud and he's just disappeared and, and now he's in a completely different area, you don't know what's going on. So making it obvious that there's a strange transition, this transition that makes you uncomfortable. And, but they've, they've, they've enhanced it, uh, from the sounds of it in the remake. It totally makes yeah. sense that like when you're, when you're trying to tell a story with a, a new technique, a new system, a new thing, right? We saw it with like this rash, and I call them that, this rash of 3D movies in the early, uh, in the sort of mid 2000s, because everyone was like, quick, let's just make a movie and put loads of 3D bits in it, and then we can call it a 3D movie, because they didn't really have an idea of how the technology worked and how they could sort of bring it into the, to the forefront. And I think now that Square have had 23 years of slowly getting better at telling a story in lots of different ways. They were able to take all of that together and sort of go, Hey, what if we did this? Or what if we made it a little bit more obvious? You know, I think that's, um, that's kind of helped from the sounds of it. Yeah. It's funny. You should say, um, it's heavy. You know, that, that sick guy in the tube, it's heavily implied it's Zach because there are, as far as I know so far, there are two recurring characters who are sort of very shambly. They can't talk very well. They're clearly bald, but they've got like a uh, like a cloak over the clothes, and they've mm-hmm. got like a hooded thing. And on their left arm, they've got tattooed mm-hmm. numbers. Mm-hmm. One of them's the the second encounter in Slum Five. It was eight, I think, and the first one yeah. was was it fourteen, fourteen or something. And yeah. the, the the very sort of Tifa implies that he's just sick. 
yeah hey, don't, don't be alarmed by him he's just sick and then mm. she says but i don't understand the number on his arm and anyone yeah. who's played the original are going i kind of understand that yeah I, I kind of know what that's about, you know. Or they'll go, that rings a bell, and they'll go look it up. But yeah, it's it. The it's. I mean, like I said before, it's Final Fantasy VII remake. It, to me, it's not a remake; it's a retelling, a story yeah. adjacent. Uh, like one of the things that I found was the more I played the remake, especially when I got to Wall Market, the more I wanted to play the original. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't mean the one like the released on like PC. Xbox and PS4. I'm talking. I wanted to break out my PlayStation, but I don't know where it is. You know, mm. I really wanted to play the original. Yeah, it's definitely reignited my passion for the game. Mm. I definitely. think that will have done it for a lot of people as well. You know, it's like even little tidbits that they drop in every now and again, like explaining why there's monsters in Midgar. Oh, it's because of the Mako. It's uh, mutating regular creatures, and we're getting these things now instead of like you know like the were rats for example they were once just normal rats but because of mako exposure they've become larger and more feral and i like that it's it's casually dropped in it's a little bit of a lore drop but again it helps people understand why mm-hmm. there's monsters like where did they come from kind of thing yeah. um but again explain like and with the whole soldiers being exposed to Mako to enhance them. I, I really liked what um Eris's mother said to Cloud in regards to why she wanted him to leave. She said, You traded power for an um you traded a normal life for power. power you cannot yeah. have it both ways. You can't mm-hmm. have both. And the look on his face because she again understood. she completely understood yeah yeah she got it she knew it but it's the look on his face because uh insert a spoiler warning for anyone who doesn't know um <laughs> cloud was never in soldier he never mm. was his Mako exposure comes from an experiment. And at that point he can't remember it. So having someone saying you traded a normal life for power is almost like a really weird realization for him of, Oh God. Yeah. I can never have a normal life. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I can't just do the mercenary thing for a few years and mass a a small fortune and move out to the country. This stuff's going to haunt me until I either die on the field or as we said before rather than going out with a scream they go out with a whimper yeah you know there is no normal for him anymore and i love the expression like the expressions um in this Mm. game are phenomenal they've really translated those subtle nuances it captures it perfectly doesn't it yeah and his face just says it all of oh Mm. god like yeah she's right that's what i've done i can't be friends with this girl I can't, I can't, I can't, you know, like I said it earlier to her, like, oh, I'm in, I'm, I'm involved in dangerous stuff and it made me sound all aloof and cool. But the realization is I really can't be involved with this normal slum girl because mm. I'll just bring a whole world of poop to her. It's, it's kind of, if you're so wrapped up in a certain situation, mm-hmm. you're completely oblivious to the things around you. So he's so wrapped up in being a mercenary. And doing mm-hmm. the job and being a bodyguard, getting a back safe, that mm-hmm. when he gets someone saying to him, you traded a normal life for power, and then that makes him go, take a step back and go, oh, crap, I'm just a yeah. mercenary. 
I can't, mm-hmm. I, I can never have what she has. Yeah. I, you know, she, she has it hard, you know, her life, she lives in the slums. It's hard, but there's a massive sense of community. Everyone cares. Everyone looks out mm-hmm. for each other. I can never be a part of that because I've got strength, speed, agility, and I know how to use materia. It's not, mm-hmm. it'll never work. And yeah. I, I love how, especially with Cloud, he can say volumes with just his expressions. Yeah. You, you couldn't have that in the original. It had to be explained, but it, the facial animation so spot on. There's it so really many is. times that a character will say something and their face is telling a different story. So mm. many times. You know, there's like um, a moment when uh, Cloud asks Eris, like, oh, do you know who Sephiroth is? And she's like, oh, yeah, he's that, he's that guy from Soldier that died like five years ago, right? And Cloud's like, yeah, that's what the paper said, but I've got this feeling that he's still alive. You know, he's like, even the way he says it, he's like questioning himself. And um, she just, it's really weird what she says, but there's like this zoom in on her mouth and it's almost like a tense smile where she's like, and she just says, oh, right. Like she knows more than she's letting on. Mm-hmm. And it's again, it's like all these little subtle nuances in their face, like well done square. Cause like I say, yeah. their, their words are saying one story, their face is telling another yeah. and it's great. It's so great. So I've, I've only got two points left. One's going to be really quick and one's probably going to spark off a big discussion, but probably I, <laughs> I think if anything, if there's going to be any mini game in it, again, I don't know if you unlock this or not, but I think there should be a Colosseum fight or a series of Colosseum fights where you're a frog. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I encountered the amphibians in and amphibians in the sewers, and I got turned into a frog, and I never laughed so hard in my life because as a frog, as Cloud, I tried to do one of his abilities, and it just it. It's just a jump kick, essentially, which mm-hmm. is exactly the same as his normal attack, but it's a bit of, bit of a slowdown. It focuses in a bit. And after the fight, everyone turned back into human. And my initial response was, do that again. I want to fight as a frog again. <laughs> do that te- again. It's the teeny-weeny yeah. buster sword. <laughs> and a massive jump to kick him in the face, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, Rid, I'll point out, obviously, I've not played the remake. I keep saying it, but there's no point in me continuing saying it. In the original Final Fantasy VII, you go to what's it called? The uh, not the casino, um, Gold Saucer. Gold Saucer, thank you. And in that, you go to the Colosseum area, and there's a challenge where you have to fight a whole bunch of fights as mm-hmm. Frog Cloud. So it could be that it'll get repeated later in the game. Mm. Yeah, I would. It's yeah, with, with you know the floor saying the brave do not fear the grave. Yeah. And all that, yeah. I will issue a quite a bold statement towards Square Enix, Square Enix, whatever. Dun, dun, dun. Square Enix. Yeah. Square Enix. How, how very dare you? Ooh. How dare you make Ooh. me feel for these characters? Oh, oh, How dude. How dare you? Dude, no. I am well, well with you. How very dare. <laughs> On top of the fact of I've played the original, mm-hmm. so, again, spoiler warning, but when I get to the seven-sector plate, 
I know what's coming. Mm-hmm. But dude, you don't. Because I, dude. I kind of do, but I don't. But I'm prepared for it, but I'm not. Yeah, so okay. let's just quickly mention, right, that the Sector 7 plate incident um, happens after the bit that Squidge has just done. So he hasn't done that bit yet. So we're going to have to. I think I think Lulu's right. I think we're going to have to come back once you've finished it mm-hmm. and, and to sort of talk about the last few bits. I, I, I say few bits. Obviously, there's a huge section of, you know, I guess, Chapter 1, Part 1, Episode 1, whatever they're going to call it. Um, there is a huge su- chunk of it left, and it is the feels bit. Because mm-hmm. I remember, right? Again, spoilers for the original game if you haven't played it. But when when the Sector Seven plate comes down, there's this wonderfully horrendous thing that that, that is presented in a feelsy way. But you just you kind of blink and you miss it. There's a TV with a news broadcast <gasps> happening. Yes, and the person kind of goes ah, and then it goes off. Yeah. It just goes to static. And you mm-hmm. see in the background, you see the plate come down as the person is waving. And it's like, oh, oh, mm-hmm. dear. No, because they're like, as much as the story is told from one of the main characters' point of view, I love those little bits where it cuts out and says, look what else is happening, you know? Yeah. There's definitely a lot of those moments um, in the game. Like, NPC dialogue in this game is so goddamn rich. And they're always reacting to what's going on. They had, there was absolutely no need for them to put that much NPC dialogue in. No. But um, the fact that they have has really further enriched this, you know, this one segment of the world that we're in. You know, mm. the it's like it's like silly things like um, after the first Mako reactor is bombed, they're all talking about that because why wouldn't they be? You know, and especially after you get out of the first Mako reactor, you're on the streets with people who are saying, why did this happen to us? And, oh my God, where are my kids? And how am I going to get home? And um, you um, feel like the worst human being on earth. (laughs) Yeah, you hear stuff like, my house, it's gone. What do I do now? And you're thinking, when you played the original, you don't get any of that. No. So you're getting like real reactions from real people. The NPC... In the background, when they talk, it's if if one ends up talking over the other, which it, it sort of it quietens down as you go away from them. You see what they're saying on the left, so you can still mm. read what they're saying if you're going through. But the NPC in Final Fantasy VII is what their, their interactions is what Skyrim wishes it had, mm. um, because it's done so right. But mm. back to my original point, the 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 one person I don't still don't really care for even though I ain't seen them in a while, is Barrett, I'll be honest. Yeah. He's, he's very sort of, I'm big and muscly and I have to put on this big and muscly thing until you see Marlene. And then, you know, the cloak comes off and you realise he's just a normal guy. He's just yeah. very protective. He's very sort of in the beginning because Cloud's there, he's sort of, you know. It's uh, a br- it's it's in a bravado. weird way. It, yeah, it's bravado, but it's kind of like a, it's, it's a testosterone pissing contest for him because you know he's been the leader of their group for so long and then you know he's always taken care of everyone he's been the strongest one and then this little tiny white guy in his perspective because you know barrett is a big black guy Mm. he's you know 
in I hate using the term, but he is a stero- stereotypical character in the in, for the for the token character. Again, hate that phrasing, but he's mm. you know he's a big hulking black guy, and you know you look at him and you just think, yeah, I ain't picking a fight with you, dude, because you will make you'll turn me into dust if you hit me. And so he's had this persona of being the strong one. And then, like I say, this tiny little white dude, because mm-hmm. Cloud isn't big or muscular. He's very lean and he can do amazing things. And he is stronger than anyone he's ever seen. And he's suddenly, in his own way, he's he's threatened by it. Because it's like, because everyone's suddenly like, oh my God, Cloud's amazing. Did you just see what he did? That was so cool. Mm-hmm. And suddenly he's not the cool one anymore. And so, yeah, there is this sort of like this weird pissing contest that happens. And I do like that it happens because it's part of character development and how they are. And you get to see all different facets of Barrett's um, character again. You know, when he sees Marlene, like as as I said previously, I didn't know what was cuter, Marlene or the way that Barrett looked at her. Mm. It just, it it was too, it gave me diabetes. (laughs) 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 It really did. It was just so sweet and wholesome. And again, you start seeing that more and more throughout um, Mm. the game. Like even very early on, when Cloud gets separated from them, Barrett says something along the lines of, oh, you're all right. You know, like, oh, thank God. And then he just goes, what, you know, what took you so long? You know, the bravado comes back Mm -hmm. in, but his initial reaction is, oh, thank God. You know, you're okay because he's, you know, he's a father and that, that fatherly instinct is kicked in because clouds in his twenties and he's in his thirties and he's, Mm -hmm. you know, he, he, he's got that, that big daddy role for everyone where he wants to take care of everyone. So it is a little slip very early on, but Mm -hmm. I like it because in, you know, again, like I say, instantly he's like, I mean, what? Uh, (laughs) you're late (laughs) like what were you doing (laughs) and i I like that i'm I'm guessing i'm gonna grow to like him eventually but it was it was one of the lines i think it's after your first your first bombing run Mm. and you've just escaped from the sewage you're just about to separate to get on the train Mm. right which is the first major part where you can free run okay Mm. And Barrett uses a line along along these words right he's giving this massive empowering speech and he says um you know, Shinra is the evil person here. They're they're sucking the lifeblood from the planet. The planet's crying. I know you're crying too, but I'm here for you. And I'm thinking, man, this is just this is a lot to take in. And I never, it's not just a lot to take in, but I never react well to characters like that because it's. I, I know there's there's there must be a reason why they're acting like that. And if it's either showing off or not, but I'm thinking there's no real need for it. You know. He's getting up on his soapbox. He's preaching. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I just any game that preaches to me, I instantly switch off. Just mm. pff, no, not listening. So there's that. But I, I mean, I've, I've, I've got a couple more notes here for this. But everyone, and I mean everyone, needs tea for in the life. <gasps> yeah. Again, Simple. you know, I everyone. I play. When I play, did my first playthrough, I had my, my partner sitting and watching because he's only played a bit of the original and very recently because I puppy dog died at him a lot. <laughs> like, please. So he's got an idea of characters and who they are. And, you know, there is there's still the romance meter in the remake. 
and you know my other half was like well who are you going to romance and I was like uh, the only waifu you need and that's Tifa um, <laughs> but I found myself like there was bits in it where Tifa would say something and I'd be like Cloud you marry her you marry her now <laughs> and Phil would be just laughing at me like yeah and um, you know but seriously like Tifa is just she's so wholesome I love her I love how they've really gotten her character across that she does care so much about everyone mm. and she wants to do so you know so much for everyone as well I like that this again going back to the whole nuances thing the subtle nuances like when they go into make her react to five and she's like, Oh, that smell brings back memories. And it's like, Oh, is that by any chance triggering your low key PTSD about what happened Mm. five years ago? So there's like little things like that and how she gets nervous about doing this stuff. And even when they're turning off the, the sun lamps, and her first thing is, Oh, but the people down there are going to be suffering. She's always thinking about other people. And that's what I love about Tifa. She is just like, like I say, I kept saying it during my playthrough. Cloud, just marry her. You just mm-hmm. put a ring on it. Do it now. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, you mentioned before in a previous pod when we were sort of like umming and airing about the remake and hopefully what we're, we're expecting from it. You, you said it right. Tifa is a wallflower. She yeah. is so wholesome. She's clearly, she cares about every, not just the people in, in your group, the entire Sector 7 yeah. slum. She knows everyone. Everyone knows her. She cares mm-hmm. about absolutely everyone. And one of the things that I did like, because she, she cares about everyone. She's most of the time she's really nervous. Um, yeah. when it comes to like the bombing runs and stuff. And she doesn't really want it to happen because it's going to hurt people. But Barrett's got mm-hmm. a vision and, you know, and there's one part where I can't remember if it's like, just after the first bombing run or when you do the second one where I think Tifa's in your, in your party and things are going wrong and you, you, you learn that Airbus is going to be deployed and stuff. And she mm. sort of stood there and she's, she's so close to either giving up or snapping. Mm. And she says, I've had it with this. I can't take this no more. And you get a quick flick to in Nibelheim. Yeah. She's sort of, she's in a, in, in a, in a cowboy gear and whatever. And she sort mm. of, she's, she's lent over the person. Who, if you played the original, you learned, she learns everything from. And she's looking up and she just says, I can't take no, this anymore. No, actually, I can't that's do her it. father. I, I knew it was one of them. It was one of yeah, them. Yeah, Zangan uh, survives, but yeah, that's her father. Yeah, and it's, it's just that little switch of, I can't take this no more. And it goes back from Cloud's perspective. And you sort of think, yeah, she's she's got levels. She's deep, man. <laughs> you know, yeah. she really cares. But on the flip side of that, I like playing as hair more than cloud if I get a chance. Mm, Cause she's I mean, very fun. There's, there's, there's badass and then there's Tifa. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's simple. That's the only way to describe it. Mm-hmm. The, then, you know, so, so, so that's Tifa and she's, she's really complex and a nice character to be around and just the interactions after it. Like, um, I can't remember what it was. It's something along the lines of, uh, Cloud says, uh, keep your guard up. And she, she instantly says, thanks, coach. Yeah, he says, keep those gloves up. And she's like, and she kind of does that little girlish giggle. And she's like, thanks, coach. It's so, it's so wholesome. It's not, it's not her being all like, I know how to take care of myself. She just thanks him because mm. she's seeing that in his own way, he's trying to care for her and look out for her, yeah. you know. And oh, God, she's just, I love Tifa. I so love her. 
<laughs> there's three of the characters I'm going to mention. I'll, I'll I'll leave my favorite to last. So the other two that I like to mention is um, the quite overlooked Biggs and Wedge in the <gasps> remake because Wedge is your classic comedy relief. He is. But he just he's not is. annoying. No, he's not. He's he's lovable. And I yeah. didn't think that about Wedge in Final Fantasy VII because he, he, in the original, he, he kind of, he's got a bit of dialogue and he gets in the way a little bit. And, yeah. Know. But in this, he's, he's comic relief, but especially when you're, you're, you're doing the mission for Jesse, you're, you're, mm. you're essentially just for context, you do a mission for Jesse where she goes into uh, a Shimra warehouse to steal some explosives because she thinks she put too much explosives in the first bombing run. She's convinced that all the problems was down to her because she put too much explosives in. So you go in to get a lighter explosive. And mm-hmm. you, your mission is basically you run in and you create a massive ruckus, which gives her time to go into the store in the back and nick everything. Wedge, quite happily in that, in that section, is the MVP of that because he's just, <laughs> he's just so awesome. I mean, come on, tell me he's not. He's the MVP of that. You you create such a racket that you're taking on soldier after soldier after soldier that come out, and then you get um, the massive walking mechs, which are a nightmare in this if you get surrounded more than two. So at which point Biggs starts um, throwing down like electronic grenades to stun them so it'll help. Then then Wedge, you get like the guard dogs come out, and out of nowhere Wedge says, I've got this. Come here, doggy doggies. He starts running, and he's not quick enough, and the dogs are chasing him. So you're trying to take them dogs away. And then next thing you know, mid-battle, you see this little cutscene where he says, ah, and you see one of them bit his ass. Right? And he's running and he's running, right? And then at the end of that, you're causing this massive ruckus and then you get a signal to say Jesse's got the, uh, got the explosives and another branch of avalanche jump in, more well-equipped branch to try and cover your escape. And they take wedge. So they get him up on one arm. You know, and you sort of leg it, so there's you and Big running. You're trying to sneak out, and then the Avalanche crew turn up and they just like throw a wedge on the floor saying, Here, take him. And this is really awesome moment where it was it's sort of like <laughs> he stood there and he's rubbing his butt and he said, Are you all right? And he said, Yeah, I, I think I might have done some damage. At which point, Biggs drops him on the floor. Jesse, without even thinking, because he lands on his front, whips down his drawers. <laughs> So the, everyone looks and she goes, ah, it's just a little bend and puts them back up again. But it's oh, no, like, she, she slaps his bum before she does that. <laughs> she goes, yeah, you'll be all right. But she just whips him down, and at which point the camera goes to, like, he's laid down, and the camera goes towards his head looking at all the other three, right? So Jessie's really concerned, Biggs is concerned, and Cloud just looks across. And she goes, ah, it's just a bend, slaps his butt, and then he pulls his drawers up, at which point it's only faintly there, but you can kind of see Cloud sniggering. So, <laughs> but it's it's just he's he's the absolute MVP of that battle because out of nowhere it goes hey doggy doggies and starts running. But it, it's know. the fact that like when you're he- when you're fighting all the soldiers, you can hear Wedge shouting like he's still shouting at the dogs to follow, and he's also like, "Can you hurry up here? Because I can't keep running this fast." <laughs> and it's stuff like that. And um, oh, and then when they parachute jump off the plate and like. Yeah. 
and he's like, oh, just give me a minute, just give me a minute. Oh, come on, don't be like that, bro. And then Cloud just goes, I'm not your bro, and pushes them both off. <laughs> oh, my word. And the fact that when, when you get back to the plate, you find out that he's really good with animals. So whenever there's, like, stray cats, he's always there trying to, you know, he's, he's got he's got his three he's got tons of cats that he looks after. And whenever there's a cat, he's always drawn to them. Mm-hmm. Biggs is your sort of... In, in, in the duo, he's... He's, he's, he's like the big brother, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's got he's obviously got the most experience, and he can just go along with anything. He's a scout, you know. He can just roll with anything. He's the one that gives you a lot of explanation to Jesse's backstory as well. Mm. I won't mention much about like the specific Jesse mission in that because I think that has to be experienced. I'd 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 spoil it heavily if I mention that, mm. but. As a duo, you can tell that they've, they've got that camaraderie. They've been there for ages. Prime example, when you get shown around the Sector 7 slums, you go to see them mm. where, where their base is, and they're the neighbourhood watch, right? And and Tifa says to Cloud, oh, I'll, I'll show you around, at which point Wedge stands up and says, I'll come with you. And Biggs goes, nope, nope, don't sit down. And as you're walking out, Wedge, is, Wedge says, well, why'd you stop me? And Biggs just says, three's a crowd. Yeah, literally. Three is a crowd. Just stay here. And he goes, aww. <laughs> but yeah, no, like, oh. they could have... It's... With a comedic relief character, it's very easy for them to fall into annoying. Hmm. Now, I'm mentioning FF15 here, prompto. I know for a lot of people he was very annoying, and I can see why. But for me, I just found him utterly endearing. He's mm. like Wedge. Wedge could easily be perceived as annoying, and I'm sure there are people out there that don't care very much for him being, a, you know, the comedic relief. And that's fine. It's you know, different strokes for different folks. I find his comedy very funny. But again, endearing. He's an endearing character, very much mm. so. You know, and like even other characters have said to Cloud up at the point that you're up to, that just like Wedge would do anything for you. You know, he he looks up to you and so on and so forth. Mm. And, you know. You kind of get the feeling that Wedge is the character that would, if need be, give you the share off his back. It'd be massive. But he would give you the shirt off his back. Oh, he would yeah. absolutely, absolutely. He would do. Mm. You know, once he he's decided that one, he likes you, and two, you're a good person. That's it. Loyalty to the bitter end. Mm. I, I, yeah, I just love him. Like all, like I think and this is going back to my uh, to the original game. Is one of the lines that Wedge did have that always did stick out to me was that. Um, when they get back from the first reactor bombing and they're at seventh heaven, Biggs, Wedge and Jesse are sat around a table. And if you talk to Wedge, he goes, I wasn't always this big, you know? Yes. Yeah. You That's know, the line and like, line. well, yeah. you know, clouds like what? And he's like, yeah, it's just Tifa's cooking. It's so good. Now I'm all <laughs> roly poly. And yep. he, he endeared, <laughs> he endeared himself to me with that line. It's such a throwaway line of just like, I wasn't always tubby. But, you know, Tifa's a really good cook and it's just the, the roly-poly bit that made me go, <laughs> oh, you're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, they do sort of, like, emphasize that he likes his food in um, in this game. Like, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, Wedge is the kind of guy that I'm pretty sure, like after a you know a bombing mission, you could be like, dude, best pizza place in Midgar, and he'd be like, follow me. Yeah, I've got you covered, bro. <laughs> But we, yeah, we, like we I need do... food after this mission, Wedge. Well, what are you in the mood for? You know. <laughs> yeah, and like I do like the uh, the dynamic between those three, you know, because you've got Jesse, who's very preppy, upbeat kind of girl, who's a little bit thirsty with Cloud. But I can kind, I kind of like again. <laughs> it's a di- dude. She is so thirsty, but again, it's not in a bad way because she doesn't come off as cringy or annoying because you can tell that she's teasing him a lot with a lot of the stuff that she says and does. And like one of her catchphrases is psych. She likes to say psych a lot because, you know, she is just teasing, you know, with the bit after the Jesse mission, she's like, she throws her arms around crowd and he's just like, and she's like, Oh, come back to mine tomorrow night. You know, the girls that I live with won't be in. We'll be all alone. And he's like, seriously, are you so, he actually asks if she's that desperate and he's pushing her away. <laughs> and she's just like, Oh, please come on. And all she wants to do, because again, she ends with the psych is she just wants to cook in pizza. But the way that she sort of built it up is like, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. My my roomies aren't going to be home. It'll just be the two of us for now, for now. <laughs> and Cloud's just like, because he's so, he's still at that point where he's like, he's wound tighter than a very tight thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, look, what I was going to say wasn't like podcast friendly. So we'll just go with tighter than a tight thing. <laughs> you know, and she's trying to get him to loosen up that's all that's her end game with it is that you know the more that she teases him and seems like she's coming on to him the more he'll 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 react to it and that's what she's after she is after the reaction not the romantic entanglement Mm. you know it's it's great and i love her i love her to pieces and the sector seven play i dude i'm gonna give you my number so that you can like text me and tell me everything because (laughs) i want to see if you had the same reaction to it as the aftermath as me and two of my other like deep dive final fantasy friends were Mm. like and if you do then i'll be like square enix has done it (laughs) because if they can do that to someone who's more of a casual fan as well then they've definitely nailed it with those characters but yeah my my yeah my third character is actually jesse that was the the most that that was what the the initial reaction to this segment was that was how dare how dare you make Mm -hmm. me care for someone to that extent Mm -hmm. just the playful nature she's she's always even when it's about a very serious subject there's always that element of levity that she brings yeah. to it you know there's this the very 90s aesthetic where she keeps saying psych so i mm. don't know if she's being serious or not at any mm-hmm. point at all i don't have a clue you know just you're always on your toes around her and to a point where i'm i'm the kind of a bit like cloud in this respect i'm i'm a bit of an old-fashioned guy i'll 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 protect anyone in a, even in a game especially mm. in a game I'll protect anyone that's in my group, especially if it's a woman. I don't know what that says about me, but you know, I'll I'll definitely make a beeline to help anyone out mm. in any sort of game like that. And when 
you're in Sector 7 and it's before the next run when they're setting up why Jesse and Wedge can't go. So Wedge is still injured from the right. Jesse, the, 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 the town gets um, overrun by the spectres. And the thing is, at mm. this point, it's not just Cloud that can see them. Everyone can see them. They don't know what's going on. So you start fighting and then you see in front of Seventh Heaven, Barrett and Jesse are trying to fend them off. My instant reaction was, you're not touching her. <laughs> you are not touching her. Leave my waifu alone. <laughs> Especially, yeah. Um, so I was, I was, I was button mashing like hell. I just got used to the mechanic, the battle mechanics at that point. So I was doing stuff really fast. I thought, if this is on a timer, I'm screwed. So I was trying to go through as fast as possible. And it got to a point where I was in front of her in front of Seventh Heaven, and I was fighting and fighting, still fighting, got there. And then it was just that part where she fell. Mm. And it turned out she, she just sprains her ankle, but she she sort of falls down the steps. And I thought, if that was me in that situation, the limit break bar would be full. <laughs> It'd be full constantly, and there'd be no survivors. <laughs> How dare you? But yeah, just that, I had that sense of, I must save her. You know, mm. Tifa can quite quite happily fend for herself, so she's mm-hmm. on her own. You know, Jesse, you dare touch her. <laughs> I I will I will in turn rip out each one of your teeth and then feed it to someone else and then rip out their teeth and feed them to you. You know, that kind of feeling. And it's it's just it goes back to that how dare you make me feel for these characters because mm-hmm. in the original she's it's got a little bit of dialogue, you can kind of get a feeling for the kind of character she is but not to this extent. Mm. And just kind of, how, how dare you? I, I didn't want to feel this much. And I, at the point with the game where I am now, it's been a numerous amount of hours. She hasn't been in or near the party. I'm starting to regret that. I want to get back as quickly as possible. Yeah, I, Cloud needs to interact with her again. It's not for me, honest. It's for Cloud. <laughs> you know. yeah. yeah. Uh, but but yeah, it's it's she's so well developed and then when you find out that she was originally meant to be a bit of a spoiler warning, but she was she's a trained performer. Okay. So it's either actress or dancer, I can't remember which. She's an actress. An actress. And she got a lucky break. She was gonna perform at Gold Saucer. So she she strived and went through all that and it was either the night before or an hour before her first performance in Gold Source, her breakout act her dad fell ill and at which point she took an interest in science and biology and all the stuff she needed to learn about the planet and that's how she joined Avalanche and I thought that's very well thought out but again how dare you make me care this much (laughs) how dare you (laughs) it's a good thing and a bad thing yeah. Keeping on the the vein of how dare you is the, those first interactions with Eris. Yeah. I, I just like they were so wholesome, but so natural, and she's so endearing. You know, again with the whole, you, like he said, "Why are Turks after you?" And don't they don't they usually scout the soldier? And obviously, she's playing along with that joke of, "Oh, well, maybe I could be in soldier, ha ha," <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. And all these little interactions and she's talking about her life in the slums and asking him about, you know, 
what kind of life he's led and he's saying you know like i my life has been fighting or in a in, living in the barracks and this that and the other and she's like you sound almost proud of that and stuff like this and she's mm. you know they're, they're interacting and i'm just thinking how dare you because i know what happens to this girl yeah. and it was hard enough back in 1997 this is going to be even harder yeah. because you're fleshing her out even more, but you're not just fleshing her out. You're fleshing out their relationship and, mm. you know, how they've interacted with each other and how cloud is going to feel about her in terms of friendship and romance aside, their friendship that, you know, their fundamental relationship. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm not going to, I'm not ready for this. I am not ready even now to mm. see that scene play out because it's going to yeah. be even harder because I'll have spent even more time with them and their relationship, their friendship building and how they're going to be together from, you know, from Midgar onwards and all the other struggles that they go through and how she's going to support him and this, that and the other. And, you know, not only that, like they've, um, Oh, I can't talk about that because you're not at that yet. Okay, but there's, okay. o- there's there's other relationships that are being built and being shown and being worked upon more. And it's not just going to be Cloud that's affected, but mm. I don't want to see who's left behind and how they react. Because, again, back in 97, that was hard enough. Mm. But now it's just yeah. there's a real sense of camaraderie. So- I, I, can, I, I could tell. You just reminded me, I'll just quickly go over this. I could tell right from the beginning where they, they were introduced, Cloud and Earth. First of all, having one boss fight after another, that was just demonic. I might yeah. Add. But he sort of, he opened his eyes, Earth said, are you okay? It's a good thing you landed on the flowers. Mm. Right? At which point he immediately stood up, tried to take a step to his side and said, sorry, I didn't mean to. Yeah. And it's one of those where... In the original game, he just stands up and looks around. In this one, he sort of goes, sorry, I didn't mean to. I hope they're okay. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. For, for this badass Merc to go, oh, I didn't mean to step on your flowers. Mm-hmm. You know, I forgot my other point, but it can't have been that, that agent. <laughs> From your perspective, Switch, um, how do you feel about the remake so far? And are you looking forward to more episodes of it? I'm intrigued to see how they're going to do the rest of it considering mm-hmm. how much the, they've so far packed into the first episode. Mm-hmm. How they've... You, you unlock, like, summons, that's quite early, instead of, like, instead of getting Shiva from saving that little girl from drowning, um, and the dolphin, you get mm-hmm. it as a, like, a side mission, a VR mission, you know? I'm intrigued to see how they incorporate everything, because they've got... They, they have every opportunity and the tools to not only encompass everything from the original... Including things like Vincent and oh, Vincent. I'm, I'm going to say the ninja because I never get her name right. Yuffie, Yuffie. There we go. I, I didn't want to offend. Um, how they in- incorporate Vincent and Yuffie to mm-hmm. all the stuff that they didn't have chance to put in the original. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see. I'm really intrigued to see what had to be cut out and what they could put back in. And chances are they'll, they'll put it in at different points as well. It's less a case of stuff being cut out. It's stuff not being added. Um, mm. So, you know, FF7, the original version, is famously an unfinished game. There's lots of stuff that was left on the cutting room floor 
but that, that's probably the wrong way to put it because that assumes that you've cut it out. But yeah, there was stuff that they couldn't get done in the time that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, early, well, 90 screen, uh, 90 screenix, not screenix, 90 square was actually pretty bad at their jobs right up until Final Fantasy IX. They were actually seven and eight were well made games. Seven was unfinished, eight was finished. But then as soon as they stopped, they then went, right, don't need that code anymore. And, when deleted it. So it's like they weren't very good at their jobs after after seven and eight. But um but yeah, okay. So what about what about you, Lulu? Are you looking forward to the rest of the the, the pieces of the puzzle watching um, it all fit together? I still say that when Squidge has completed it, that we should you will probably want to do another episode to discuss the ending. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um because I think I can't really say too much in front of you two or the audience at this point because of the ending, but I'm intrigued to see how they're going to segment it up because Midgar's an easy section. Mm. It is very much a condensed chapter in the original game. After that, you're in the, you know, the world map. How are they, you know, I'm intrigued to see how they're going to flesh out the world map. Um, is it going to be more of like a barren wasteland or is it going to be like, you you know, the first place you go to is calm. So is there going to be little settlements along the way to sort of help flesh that out? Are you going to see travelers that are like, yeah, we're going to Midgar because, you know, it's the land of hope and dreams and Mako, you know, because that's the lie that they're being fed. You know, move to Midgar, you will have the best life ever. And that's that's a lie that a lot of people in the world still believe in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, my, my, my biggest thing is it's not necessarily what's going to be left out or what's going to be changed because clearly they're, they're happy with fleshing stuff out and tweaking stuff, not changing it per se, but tweaking it and making it, and I think, better for what, for, you know, what they've done so far. But the cutoff points are going to be interesting because obviously you still need to have that almost like a cliffhanger to be like, uh, to be continued in the next part kind of thing. You know, you've got to have that hook. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, my my main thing is where are they going to be able to satisfyingly cut it off and then go to the next point? And also, I just want to see Vincent because yeah, Vincent Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> Steady oh. on last, you're drooling. <laughs> oh. Yeah, my, uh, my mic's looking a bit soggy. So, yeah, there's... <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely story beats I want to see um, that I'm interested by. You know, I can't wait to go to Cosmo Canyon. I can't wait to go to Nibbleheim and see how Tifa and Cloud react to whatever's gone on there because obviously we don't know what they're going to change in regards to that. Meeting new characters, seeing new locations. The, I've got very high hopes, as I say. I was on the fence before the game came out because you know any fan of the game is was quite rightly so skeptical but i think Mm. they've they've done it and they've done it well and from i'm hoping from this point on they can only go from strength to strength with it so yeah but complete the game let me know and if you want to come back and talk about that ending we we will talk about that <laughs> at, at great length because I think that deserves an episode itself, mm. personally. And you'll see why when you get there. <laughs> okay. <Excellent. laughs> I'm, working well, on, I'm working on it. 
Awesome. Yes. Um, yeah, we should t- definitely, uh, I don't want to sound middle management, but we should definitely circle back around and, um, and go back together once uh, Squidge has finished it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I say, when you see it, you'll know why I've suggested it and said that I think you'll want another episode just dedicated to that ending. Hmm. It's going to blow your mind. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll definitely have to uh, have to pencil that in, put a pin mm-hmm. in it, do all the other middle management words, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, with that being said, where can folks go to learn a little bit more about Lolo, what you're doing? You used to do streaming. Yeah, I've sort of taken a, a break from it because uh, me and the other half are setting up our uh, our gaming streaming station in mm-hmm. our home. Um, you know, because of unfortunate world events at the moment, we've got time to be able to do that. But generally, you can find me on Twitter, um, which is twitter.com slash Lulu underscore cross area. When I do get back into streaming, it'll be twitch.tv slash uh, Lulu underscore cross area because I like to keep it uniform. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's where you can find me and find out what I'm up to and uh, what random things I'm complaining about on the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough. That's fair enough. <laughs> awesome well um thanks for joining us lulu uh, i really really enjoyed that. i mean i always enjoy enjoy our conversations anyway it's my really pleasure <laughs> thank you i really enjoyed this conversation uh, even though i haven't played the remake just hearing you know you guys talk about it and be so excited about it and and stuff i you know i am legitimately waiting for it to get released on something other than the ps4 so that mm-hmm. i can play it you know hopefully Next i'll be year. That's it, right? I got to wait a whole year, which means mm-hmm. that when when we circle back around to talk about the ending, it may just be you two. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to see. Uh, maybe it, maybe uh, you know we can do it after this all unfortunateness has ended. And what I can do is like head around to Squidge's house and just camp out there for two days and just get the game finished, right? <laughs> You'd be lucky to have it finished in two days. All I'm saying. Uh, no, what I mean is wake up at six o'clock in the morning and play it till I fall asleep. And then wake up the next day and play it till I fall asleep. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. It could be done, right? And yeah, have... just, you know, relive your, you know, your, your childhood. Cause that's, that's effectively it. what we did back then. That's it. <laughs> that next to me giving me pointers of where to go and how to, you know, do stuff. So it's not like I'll be going in completely blind. No, so... I'll, I'll sit there and watch you struggle. I'm not doing anything. Yeah, he would. That's the thing. <laughs> That's the thing. He would as well. Uh, yeah. But yes, we should definitely circle back around and do that. Um, but uh, as has been said, thank you ever so much for listening to the episode. Thank you ever so much, Squidge and Lulu, for joining me in this discussion on uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. We will come back around and talk about the ending to Part 1, Episode 1. Section 1, Midgar, whatever they're actually going to end up calling it. I'm actually interested to find out what the next part is going to be called when it's released to retail. Because, like, on the spine for the box, it just literally says Final Fantasy VII Remake. So is it, like, Volume 2, Episode 2, We Trust me, two? wait till you complete it, and I will tell you my theories. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, we'll have to discuss that soon, then. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, excellent. Conspiracy uh, Theory Lulu should be fun. That's oh, yeah. It. 
That's it. Um, but yes, if you haven't already subscribed to the show, because the show is free to subscribe to, you can find that out by going to waffling.tailors.rocks forward slash our hyphen podcast. There will be a link in the podcatcher that you're listening to. Uh, we, we are going to continue on as long as I still have the time to do it. I'm going to continue on the, the recent trend of adding chapters to the episodes. So if you pull up your pod chat, pod chat, chat, pod chat, chat, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I, I was actually just side note. I was going through some of the the files that we've recorded for the episode, and I found a random cut of just Lulu going. English is hard. English is hard. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so I may have to just splice that in or something. But there you go. Um, Use my yeah, sound bites. <laughs> that's it, right? I like this one. There's one of you going. Send pictures of pies. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, I remember the exact context as well. Um, oh it was God, an I need to hear with, this now. It was us three. Yeah, yeah, that's almost exactly how it sounds. It was us three and Chief, and someone had asked Chief what his favourite type of pie is, and that was it. We the end of the episode was like, send in your comments or pictures of pies, and you went send pictures of pies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, totally. Check out the the podcatcher that you're listening to. There'll be a chapters button somewhere in there, and you can jump around and skip through all of the the different bits. Uh, and that way, you can jump straight back to like, oh, we want to talk about Tifa again. Right, let's go back to that bit. It's uh, quite awesome. But yes. Um, yeah, there'll be a link in the podcatcher for the show notes for this episode, for uh, subscribing to the show, for Lulu on Twitter, and if we if we can convince her, uh, her Twitch as well, depending on whether there's anything there or not, I don't know, but there you go. We'll get all those in the, in the show notes. Definitely subscribe to the show. Find us on Twitter or Facebook, just literally for searching for the words waffling tailors you can put that into google into bing into whatever search engine you use and it'll just come up um and all the buttons are there on the website anyway but yeah uh thanks for listening and come back next time for whatever we talk about next time i'll see you later folks I'll stop now. <laughs> I was wondering how long you were going to go for. <laughs> going to go for a while. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm, I'm not going to bear as I leave, so you don't have to worry about I know. Hang on. Uh, there we go. <laughs> Especially for you. There you are, right. Especially for you. I want to get you high and give you munchies, too. <laughs> Intro music is Among the Stars by Muse Station Productions. Outro music is I Need You Watashi no Sabate by GH. Spoiler break music is Spectrum Subdiffusion Mix by Phonics. Palette cleanser music is Breathe Deep, Breathe Clear by Siobhan Degay. See the show notes for more details. The Waffling Tailors podcast is a proud member of the J&J Media Network. To find out more about J&J Media, head over to jayandjay.media or check the show notes for a link.